yours, Norma. Good morning, Father. Thank you so much for a new day. Thank you, Father, your love endure forever. Lord Jesus, we give this time to you. Father God, I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you speak to us. You open our eyes and ears to hear directly from you, Father. We thank you so much for a new day. We pray, Lord Jesus, for the people in Texas. Lord, I pray that you are strengthening, that you protect, and I pray for the churches, Father God, that they will be able to stand and be able to hold the community, their community, Father God. So, Lord Jesus, I pray for Nabil as he's in Houston. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you protect him, Lord, him and his family, as they have so much thin medication that they need to be taken care of, Father God. I pray that you protect him during this season, too, Father, in the hospitals. So we thank you, Father God, that you are our provider, our strength, Father. So we, we love you, Jesus. We give this time to you. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.
We thank you, God. Lord Jesus, for that assurance, God. Your word says that you would never leave us nor forsake us. But Father, you are in our waiting. Father, we may not understand why we have to endure the trials in which we face, but we know, God, that they come to produce within us, God, perseverance, character, which, Father, ultimately leads to hope. And our hope that is in Christ and in Christ alone will never disappoint us. We thank you, Father, that you are faithful to complete what you have started. Thank you, God, that your love endures forever. And as we open your word today, my God, I pray that we would be encouraged to continue to remain steadfast. God, that we would not grow weary in doing good. God, that we would seek more of you. That we would not have a divided heart. Oh, but God, that we would have a heart towards you. Your word says if we seek you, we will find you if we seek you with our whole heart. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would examine our hearts today, God. That you would test us and reveal to us any wicked ways within us, oh God. That you would bring us to the place of repentance. I pray, God, that we would find encouragement in your word today. God, that in this generation, as it's growing darker and darker, I pray, God, that we would be encouraged, Father, to fan the flame within us, Lord. That we may burn bright, O God. That we would not water down your truth. That, God, that we would be your representatives, your ambassadors, God. Upholding truth for ourselves and for others. We know true freedom comes from your truth and your truth alone. For he who the Son has set free will be free indeed. So we thank you for freedom. We thank you, God, that we don't no longer have to remain enslaved to ourselves and to flesh and to sin. But that we are now called, if we are believers in Christ Jesus, slaves to righteousness. And I pray, God, that we would have a hunger and thirst for more of you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Genesis chapter 39. The last time we talked about Joseph, if we would remember, he was sold into slavery. Verse 36 of chapter 37, it says, Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived to Egypt, where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Of Egypt. Potiphar was captain over the palace guard. Joseph, remember, told his dreams to his family. 
to his brothers. Remember, his, his brothers despised him. They hated him because he was the favored one. We're going to pick up and we're going to read through today from Genesis chapter 39 through chapter 41, verse 16. That is our text today in the Old Testament. It is all relating to Joseph. And my hopes and my prayers for each of us today is that as we hear of his life and the trials that he had to endure and the trials in which he has to endure, he himself did not cause. So we're not talking today about 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 trials in our life that we cause by our own hands, by our own doing. You know, everything that Joseph is facing and faced in his life was at the hands of others. But ultimately, it was part of God's plan. And what I hope that we see is the character that Joseph had. That would inspire us to maintain that same character. He didn't grow weary. He didn't become bitter. He didn't blame others. <clears throat> no, he continued to serve. He continued to honor God. Honor those in authority over him. He never backtalked or talked about those who did him wrong. He honored God in his work and in his duties and in his life. So when Joseph, verse 1 of chapter 39, was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And this is important that the house that he ended up in. Because ultimately, as we continue to study his life, we're going to see how God kept Joseph right where Joseph needed to be at the time that God needed to use him in this area for his family and all a part of God's plans. Because again, as we're reading through the Old Testament, let's not forget that we're seeing God's plan unfolding. From the beginning... God's plan was a set of people aside that he will call his own and they will call him their God. A, a people set aside that the Messiah would come through. So God is faithful and that's what we're seeing all through the Old Testament. We're seeing in Joseph's life, there's a purpose and a reason where Joseph is ending up. Right now, he is at the house of Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And that's important, because ultimately, Joseph will become the Pharaoh's right-hand man. And the Pharaohs in those days were not only the, uh, the king, if you would, they also were known and seen as gods. It says here, the Lord was with Joseph, chapter me, verse 2. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. It's a very important verse. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did. It wasn't by Joseph's, Joseph's strength and his own doing. No, the Lord was with Joseph. 
Potiphar, and look at verse 3, Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. So even Potiphar recognized, an ungodly man recognized the influence of God's favor in Joseph's life. It's interesting, it always fascinates me. Though Potiphar never served God, but yet he will acknowledge God's favor on his servant. And in that, Potiphar knew that if I kept Joseph with me, then that favor will come upon me. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Look at Joseph's life. He's walking with God. God's favor is upon him. I mean, he's he was sold into slavery. He didn't grow bitter. He didn't complain and murmur. No. He worked diligently. I want to keep bringing us back to that. He served diligently. And because of that, his life was impacting those that were around him. They were noticing there's something different about him. And Potiphar knew. Look what Potiphar did. Like, I'm giving you rights over everything I own. You're going to run all of this for me. The favor that's upon you is actually going to end up blessing me. Think about that. And so whose lives are we impacting? Especially when we're at work. Are we working diligently? Remember, you've heard me say this over and over. Businesses should want Christians in their employment. Because we're hard workers. Because we recognize we're not working as unto man, we're working as unto God. We're serving diligently. We're not looking to see how we can take shortcuts. We're the first ones to arrive and the last ones to leave. We're getting, we're productive. We're working. We shouldn't be lazy. We shouldn't be murmuring. We shouldn't be complaining. We shouldn't be fault-finding. We shouldn't be stealing we shouldn't be, you know, doing things that are against policy and procedures. No, they should want us in their employment and they should be promoting us because they realize the favor that's upon us. What we've been entrusted with, we should be good stewards of. And we see this in Joseph's life. And Potiphar recognized it and he raised him up. He exalted him to a position. You run everything for me. The only thing I'm going to worry about is what I eat. 
Other than that, you have everything under your control. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Wow, look at his character. He didn't allow his position to bring about pride in his life. He could have taken her. But his character was more important. To honor God. To honor his master, if you would. Potiphar. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. But he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went into in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running, Look! She said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. The Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Yet again, we see Joseph in a situation that is beyond his control. Beyond his control. His character now is being assassinated. He was being tempted but he fled from that. Just because you do right, just because you do good and you honor God, does not mean that you're not going to be pressed up against. Yeah. But you won't be crushed. Doesn't mean that people are going to find, you know, everything about you in the right manner. This woman desired one thing and she didn't get it because he wouldn't budge. And in doing so, she set him up. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison, where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Oh, but look at the good news in verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison, Amen. 
and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. I love that verse. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison, and look at this, and showed him his faithful love. <clears throat> Joseph again has been stripped. He's in prison. But I love this picture. God is with him. And God is faithful. His love endures forever. And in that, remember again, as I said earlier, all of this, yet though these are outside, you know, influences that are trying to take Joseph down, it's all for God's plan and God's purpose. We may not have a good understanding of what God is doing in our lives. Again, I'm talking about outside influences, not this crazy stuff we do with our own hands. We shouldn't be making bad decisions. We shouldn't be doing the things that we ought not to be doing and then expecting God to fix everything for us. God is faithful to what he has established. Doesn't mean that if we repent and we turn to God that he would not restore us. He would, but we still have to face the consequences of, of what we've done. But again, we're looking at situation in Joseph's life where things are beyond his control. And in that, he's still maintaining his integrity. He's still maintaining his character and his love for God. And God is with him. And in that, he found favor again with the warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all other prisoners. And over everything that happened in the prison, the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything, mm -hmm. the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Mm -hmm. Again, we see that his hard work, his zeal, and his love for God, and being a good steward of everything God entrusted him with, those around him did not have to worry. Sometime later, the Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, chief baker, offended the, their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, officials and he put them in prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. Notice Joseph did not say interpreting dreams is my business. Yeah. It's God. God. Be careful of those who will take on, um, if you would, and, and make the anointing theirs and not God's. Making their wisdom, wisdom theirs and not God's. Making interpretation of dreams theirs and not God's. 
God is the one who is able to do it. So, so the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three basket also represents three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Then birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all of his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officers. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. So again, we see Joseph forgotten about. He's still left in prison. And it's so encouraging, again, when we read this account, that if we would just remain in Christ, if we would just serve him diligently, if we would just continue to, to, to display him through us to others. That's what we're called to live. That's how we're called to live. We gotta stop making excuses. We gotta stop allowing our past to define us. We gotta stop allowing the enemy to have access to gain ground in our lives by maintaining strongholds in our minds. We have the weapons of our warfare to demolish these strongholds. We don't want to give the enemy a foothold. We need to slam the door shut. We have to live this life out. It can't just be words. It can't just be, oh, okay, this sounds nice. No, it has to be our reality. Christ has to be our reality, our truth. He's either God or he's not. There's either freedom or there's not. There's no in-between. We're either for him or we're against him. We're either in his kingdom or we're a part of the, the darkness. You, you can't straddle the fence. There's a way in which we're called to live. We have to guard our hearts. Our hearts have to be good soil to receive his word so that his word will take root into our heart and produce lasting fruit in our lives. 
What's your heart condition? How are you living? Yet again, we see this. God's plan is unfolding. Joseph is remaining faithful to God as God is faithful to Joseph. Joseph probably could have started questioning, but we don't see that in Joseph's life because we don't see doubt creep in. It would have been caught within these words. Like he stayed faithful. He knew what was done to him was wrong. He understood that, but he didn't allow that truth to define him. I was wrong. My life shouldn't be this way. No, 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 no. He remained faithful. He kept serving faithfully. Two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up, but he fell asleep again and had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these twin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again and realized it was a dream. The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams, so he called for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. Finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today I have reminded, I have been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. And some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker in me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant, and everything happened just as he had predicted. I was restored to my position as cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he quickly brought him from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. We're ending at verse 16. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Wow. Again, Joseph. He's not pointing to himself. This is what he says there. It is beyond my power to do this. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. It is not within our power to live this out 
It has to be our dependence upon the Holy Spirit to live out this life in Christ. To live it out so that others can see Christ in us. Christ is ultimately the greatest servant of all. And yet he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And yet he humbles himself. And he humbled himself when he came to this earth. And as the servants, that's our position, to remain humble and to serve, and to serve faithfully. God's perfect timing. It wasn't time for Joseph to get out of prison two years earlier. Pharaoh needed to have this dream because events are, begin, are going to begin taking place. See, everything's under God's control. And God has a remnant of his people who are attentive to his leading, preparing for what's ahead. In every generation, in every generation, are you attentive to his voice? Do you have a strong character, integrity, zeal and love for God to be faithful so that he could use you in this generation and in the, gen in the generations to come. That Joseph encourage us today to allow the Holy Spirit to, to search within us, to clean up the areas that needs to be cleaned up within us, to take time to repent, to get before God, that you will have a clean hands and a pure heart, that you would go daily to do his will so that others' lives can be impacted for his kingdom. Go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. And we're going to read through chapter 13, verse 23. Matthew 12, verse 46. <clears throat> As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to speak to you. But Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who, who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Anyone who does the will of my Father is part of my family. Wow. Doing the will of the Father. That's important, y'all. Again, it's kind of carried over from what we just read about in Joseph's life, his character, his integrity, how he lived for God, how he could have gave in to lust and pleasure and prideful and arrogance, but no, he remained humble to serve. Even when he was wronged, he still served. And as we see Jesus's life, again, he's a servant. He's come to do the will of the Father. While Jesus was on this earth, he didn't pursue his will. 
he remained obedient. And anyone who remains obedient to the will of the Father is included in the family of Jesus. To do the will. Not to hold a form of religion. Not just to have knowledge of the Bible. Not just to come to church, show up, and, and do. But truly, is it your lifestyle? Because Jesus sees the heart. And he goes right into this next lesson about the heart. Later that day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, Jesus' words here. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. He scattered them across his field. Some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? And he replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding would be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will soon be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really under listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened. And their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Not everybody's getting it, y'all. Not everybody who hears these words will get it. Will get it. How sad. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Again, it's all about his kingdom, you all. Are you kingdom-minded? Or do you just want Jesus to fix your lives? The temporalness of your life, you just want Jesus to take care of. Because that's not where your mind and your heart should be. Your mind and your heart should be entwined with his, and you should be concerned about his kingdom 
and advancing his kingdom. It's all about Jesus. The seed, I'm going to read verse 19 again. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches it away, the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as, some, as soon as they have problems or, or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produced a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Different lives, you all. Each one hears the message about the kingdom. The first one, the enemy comes in, snatches it. The second one, look at what it says there. They didn't, they didn't have deep roots. The seed was on rocky soil, which means those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are being persecuted for believing God's word. The third one, this is the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's words, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. They're still consumed with the temperaments of life. Oh, but God help us to have good soil. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. It produces within them a harvest. And not only that, these are those who then go forth and spread the seeds to others. They don't gather it for themselves. They spread it out. Ask yourself today, these four lives. Where are you? Where are you? Is the message about God's kingdom being choked out? Has it been snatched out? Or is it producing fruit in your life? And I love the other picture of it being crowded out. Of too many worries. God help us to remain faithful. God help us to remain, that we would remain about the Father's will. Like when you get up each day, who's, who, whose will are you living out? Your own or God's? Go to Psalm chapter 17 or Psalm 17. 
prayer of King David. O oh Lord, hear my plea for justice. Listen to my cry for help. Pay attention to my prayer, for it comes from honest lips. Declare me innocent, for you see those who do right. You have tested my thoughts and examined my heart in the night. You have scrutinized me and found nothing wrong. I am determined not to sin in what I say. I have followed your commands, which keep me from following cruel and evil people. My steps have stayed on your path. I have not wavered from following you. I am praying to you because I know you will answer, O God. Bend down and listen as I pray. What a beautiful picture. Show me your unfailing love and wonderful ways. By your mighty power, you rescue those who seek refuge from their enemies. Guard me as you would guard your own eyes. Wow. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Protect me from wicked people who attack me, from murderous enemies who surround me. They are without pity. Listen to their boasting. They track me down and surround me, watching for a chance to throw me to the ground. They are like hungry lions, eager to tear me apart, like young lions hiding in ambush. Arise, O Lord, stand against them and bring them to their knees. Rescue me from the wicked with your sword. By the power of your hand, O Lord, destroy those who look to this world for their reward. But satisfy the hunger of your treasured ones. May their children have plenty, leaving an inheritance for their descendants. Because I am righteous, I will see you. When I awake, I will see you face to face. And I love this. And be satisfied. Listen to this beautiful prayer. Verse 6. I am praying to you because I know you will answer, O God. Bend down and listen as I pray. Show me your unfailing love in wonderful ways. He says in verse 2, Declare me innocent, for you see those who do right. You have tested my thoughts and examined my heart in the night. You have scrutinized me and found nothing wrong. I am determined not to sin in what I say. I have followed your commands, which keep me from following cruel and evil people. My steps have stayed on your path. I have not wavered from following you. Beautiful. Because I am righteous, I will see you. When I awake, I will see you face to face and be satisfied. But satisfy the hunger of your treasured ones. Beautiful is that. Those who belong to God, God is faithful to. God is not faithful to the wicked. God is faithful to those that he calls his own. Those who hear and respond. Those who live according to his will. There is a way in which we ought to be living. And God has set the standard, not man. We're not leaving, living to please man. We're not living to try to impress men. 
No, we're living for God, you all. If you have been saved, if you've given your life to Christ, if you truly are a Christian, you are a new creation. All things, the old things have passed away. Behold, newness has come forth. Remember, it's not about perfection, but it is about maturing. Either the word that you have received is taken root, and it's growing now in your life, and you're changing, or you're living the other three lives. It's either snatched, choked, or crowded. Oh, but let it be good soil. May our hearts be of good soil. And it's nothing that you can do to prepare your hearts. All you can do is allow the Holy Spirit to have access. See, you're not supposed to be living a life that grieves the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to be living a life now that's honoring Him. And in a day and age where the gospel is being twisted, where, where foolishness has crept in into the church, where we realize that the Bible even says that even in the last days there will be those who will fall away from the faith and start following doctrines of demons, teachings from demons. Like, how are you guarding your heart? How are you guarding your mind? How are you dealing with the worries of life? How are you dealing when you hear the word? Are you receiving it? Are you meditating on it? Are you studying? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to bring application to your life? Because that's how it should be. And then like David, we can pray. Then like David, we can have the hope that's in Christ. That when we finally awaken, that we will be face to face with him. And we will be satisfied. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. <clears throat> Proverbs 3, verse 33 through 35. The Lord curses the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the upright. The Lord mocks the mockers, but is gracious to the humble. The wise inherit honor, but fools are put to shame. Again, God is faithful to what God has purposed. God is faithful to those who call upon Him. We are living in a generation where people are mocking the things of God and it may even seem to look as if they're prospering more than the church. Oh, but that does not put our hope in the, the, the temporalness of this life. Because as Christians, we're not clinging to the temporalness of life. No, our hope is in Christ and our home is in heaven. Amen. We're just foreigners passing through. So don't be swayed by what the wicked are doing. Don't, don't desire and, and want what the wicked have. No, there's work to be done. And we understand as we have hopefully read through, we understand the ending. It doesn't get easier for Christians. It gets harder. Oh, but let us not lose hope. Let us not grow weary. Let us live according to God's will Amen. and God's plan and purpose. Amen? Amen. Well, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow.
would have been my mom's birthday. So in closing, we're going to honor her and her memory with her favorite worship song. And then I'll close this in prayer. <clears throat>